wrong turn four and Muppets take Manhattan in the same <laughs> sentence. That's got to be the first time ever. Got yeah. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. What's in the case? That information isn't necessary. Is it heavy? Is it explosive? Is it chained to some unlucky bloke's wrist? We're going to have to chop it off? I All mean, right. What is it? But I'm not under any obligation to let you know. If what... you are not, then the price has got to go up. I'll get you the case, but the price has got to go up. If it's going to be amateur night, I want $100,000. I want it up front. I want it in a bank account. I want another $100,000 when you get the case. Hello, everybody. It is Recotopia episode 60. Wow. 60. Um, I'm Chris Atkinson. Hi, I'm Jeremy Scott. My phone is ringing. That's good radio. Your phone is ringing. Yes. Yes, it is. Scam likely. He calls me every day. (laughs) Part of the likely family of the Pennsylvania likelies. (laughs) Yes. Um, Um. Well, I once again acknowledge the chat that's here to watch us on a Tuesday uh, recording this uh, this podcast. Today's big recommend is going to be Ronan from 1998 and mm. Robert De Niro getting some Recotopia uh, love under his belt. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that sounds, that sounds pretty dirty, but um, so that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, Jeremy, do you have any small recommends? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. I do. I do. All right. So, Chris, did you ever watch uh, the Showtime show Yellow Jackets a year, a year and a half ago? I did. I may have even introduced the show to you. Okay. I think that that's right. Okay. So, season two is here. It's upon us. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're watching it. Um, I haven't seen. I haven't started watching yet. No. There are two um, episodes so far. And I am just as riveted. Uh, it is just as insane. Um, and and I will give a, a caveat here that if you watch mm-hmm. the first season, uh, it hints at something in the future that might happen. Um, they're not going to wait till season five, folks. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I'm riveted but disgusted all at the same time. Uh, oh, really? I think that's intentional. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you watch the first season, um, <clears throat> I think you're going to continue to dig it. If you haven't seen any of it, uh, a girl's soccer team crashes in the Canadian wilderness, and um, it's many, many months before they're rescued, and the show jumps back and forth between their survival attempts in the wilderness and those who have survived where they are 20 years later. Uh, and there are secrets and mysteries and lustfulness and uh, accidents and um, sleepwalking and wolves and uh, <laughs> totem worship. And it is insane. And, and if that doesn't sound up your alley, don't watch it. But if it sounds a little interesting, uh, give it, give it a look-see season two uh they're still in top form and i think it's even possible jonathan uh mentioned this show before i watched it so mm. jonathan uh may be responsible for all of us watching this show um, son of a bitch i know that son of a bitch but it was like after an episode or two that had come out i was like okay i'll give this a, i'll give this a whirl and I, I was hooked too and you know such likable people like Melanie Linsky and Christina mm-hmm. Ricci. And, you know, I mean, I guess Juliette Lewis and he's polarizing the polarizing Juliette Lewis. <laughs> uh, but, um, but it's, but, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed the show. I was kind of surprised to see that season two had started. I, I haven't gotten, uh, uh, into the, uh, the mindset to start it back up yet. And I may let a few episodes go before I start watching it. Cause I think I like the binge aspect um yep. of it. Is good. Uh, yeah uh when, whenever there's a show that's giving you all these details i i don't know i feel like the week to week thing you start losing some of that information unless you're 
one of those hardcore people who go and read recaps and like read about theories and all this other stuff yeah. and you're really up on the show and that's not me i don't like reading up on theories and and like yeah. getting my hopes up about things that aren't going to happen and things like that so anyway i was I've, that I, uh, I was that guy and lost broke me like yeah yeah all throughout lost i was like i would even call my mother because she loved lost and we would go mm -hmm. okay what do you think this means there's a smoke monster and this guy's definitely uh evil and anyway <laughs> and all of that was just ultimately i don't i don't even want to count the hours i wasted speculating about that goddamn show for them to go hey it's the most obvious thing that everyone suspected at the very outset we have no yeah. innovation here <laughs> yeah exactly so um anyway yeah i will i will be i will catch up on that speaking of catching up i caught up on the last of us and i'm sort of basically just doing a um a second recommend on this because jeremy has already recommended the the series on this on this very uh very show uh i'm just seconding it it's really really good that i was able to because i was playing the game on a stream and it was the first time i ever experienced the story on a stream my my attention was distracted quite a bit while mm. while i was trying to keep up with that story and i knew the basics to it uh now getting to sort of review it through the through the series and new actors and things like that uh i was able to enjoy the story a lot more but really honestly we all know how pa how great pedro pascal is and he's mm -hmm. had he's had a huge like uh past year bella ramsey is so fucking good in this series she's so awesome <laughs> oh my god i love her so much she's like like every little thing she's one of those I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't know how it's going to translate when she's older, but she's one of those. that seems like she already gets it. Like every, in, in every scene, she's doing something interesting with her face or mm -hmm. whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be just like mild curiosity or just whatever. She always has the right look. And so like, I loved her to death in this. And uh, I love also that they, were able to get some of the voice actors some roles in yep. this too and hearing them talk about being on the show uh, uh after being voice being a voice of you know usually very major characters that they are like they're the dude who voices joel plays like a sidekick yeah in a later episode uh, 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 the preacher's sidekick guy and it's like, and he's talking about, you know, he's talking about like, yeah, this, this show means a lot to me, you know, like this is, it's really interesting being in this role as opposed to, to, to the other one. But anyway, um, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm just seconding this. There's nothing else that I can really say about it other than I love the hell out of Bella Ramsey in this. Yeah. And I'm going to be looking for more. I need to watch that movie you recommended a few weeks ago that she's in. Oh um, yeah. The, the shit. Yeah. yeah yeah that one but yeah but uh uh that's what i got from this the story itself i was even though i had not kept track of every detail i knew what was happening or what was going to happen and and they didn't change it and didn't change it up that much to the right. point where it's like there were a couple of moments they diverted because they had the whole thing with melanie linsky in kansas city and yeah she's running a uh like a different kind of that was an interesting thing that they only got to explore for like an episode or two uh about the whole idea of having a having a corrupt government institution and then having uh having like a uh, rebels that conquer that institution and then they themselves become corrupt and then yep. there's another rebel faction ready to knock that group over yeah. and like it's it, it always uh does that whole it does that whole power corrupting absolutely type of thing uh really well i only got to explore it for a couple episodes but that's what's so fascinating fascinating about that show is that it's giving you little pockets little windows into what the world is like as they move along as they travel west uh through the show anyway really love um it, so. catherine called birdie is the name of that movie ah um, catherine called birdie that's right and there was a point i i watched the last of us show uh weekly but i was i would watch it the next day with my wife uh, not when it aired on sunday night but there was an episode i don't know which one it was but 
early in the first half where I tweeted out afterwards, Bella Ramsey is a treasure and we must protect her. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I agree wholeheartedly. She's uh, one of the best up and coming talents that we have. Mm. And she's, mm-hmm. I think you would really enjoy Catherine Colbert. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to be watching that soon. All right. So my second recommend is not a movie or a TV show. I am going back to food. Ooh. But in a bigger way, I'm recommending a recipe source. Um, okay. Most recently, my wife and I on Sunday made uh, a potato, kale, um, cheese casserole that we then cracked eggs on and put in the oven. Mm. There's a picture right there. (laughs) Uh, That's from the New York Times. The New York Times has a recipe section, a cooking section that is a separate subscription from their newspaper. That's kind of a dick move. I understand that. Uh, But it's the same kind of like with their games. You can play one or two of the games for free. But if you don't have a subscription, you can't do the crossword puzzle. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like a a game specific subscription, not just the New York Times subscription. Anyway. Yeah. I have now made four recipes over the last two months from the New York Times cooking section, and they have all been dynamite. Mm. Uh, I will say it's probably a bit too much for some people. It's $65 a year, um, <clears throat> which is uh, $1.25 a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, this is going to be ultimately, ultimately worth it. I've had four great meals that I've had leftovers and been able to eat twice. Uh, we made a white bean and ham um uh, casserole we made a chicken and turnip greens bake uh and most uh, two weeks ago we made a greek <clears throat> ground chicken spinach stew um mm. <clears throat> they've all been outstanding i struggle like i tinker i tinker with all these recipes i put stuff in there that they don't tell me to but uh i want a good starting base and i struggle to find a source that is consistently good i'll make something from the Food Network's website and love it. And then I'll make another thing from the Food Network's website and hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. I made one recipe from a really prominent site I'm not going to name that I think defies the laws of physics. It's not possible to make what they said you could make. All I made mm-hmm. was a charred log. Um, but uh, <laughs> I have been really, really happy with uh, all four of these dishes. Uh, and they've been pushing us outside of our normal uh, taste zones. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, I wanted to shout out my own cooking of this recipe, uh, on Sunday. We nailed it. Mm. And, mm. uh, also suggest that, uh, a very good source of recipes is the New York times cooking section. Mm. There you go. I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. You may, you may feel like, I don't know, a little weird, uh, recommending food and recipes and things like that. But I think in general, from what I can tell in our comments and various sections people really do love this type of stuff and they do try this stuff out and and everything and uh, it makes me want to try it out i don't know if i got time to do it but i'd 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 love to try stuff like this this was 50 minutes we threw some unsalted butter and a bunch of shallots in a Mm. in a frying pan uh, you know oven safe frying pan then we threw in a bunch of spinach and cooked it down and it wilts and reduces in another pot we were boiling potatoes then we throw those in and mash it all up throw in some thyme mm-hmm. some cheddar cheese mash it mm-hmm. stir it pop it on sounds, a few eggs throw it in it the sounds oven. excellent yeah it was delightful and it's you know other than the egg it's it's a vegetarian dish and you don't have to add the egg so you can keep it you know fully vegetarian mm-hmm. throw some beans in there or something anyway yeah um went to the theater last week and uh and watched Dungeons and Dragons Honor mm. Among Thieves. Yes. And You're recommending it? I'm recommending it, of course. Yes. yes. Um uh yeah, th- this is uh from the same people who brought you game night, and I don't have the names on the tip of my tongue here. I know that one dude uh every time i look at their pictures i'm like oh yeah i've seen that dude in movies before like john francis daly is one of them and jonathan goldstein is the other guy did game night um so when i saw trailers for this i was like okay so they're kind of making a a kind of funny dungeons and dragons haha okay all right whatever and then i started hearing like some decent buzz about it and then a friend of mine was like, Hey, you want to see this? I heard it was good. And I was like, eh, okay, I'll go ahead and give this a shot. And this movie is inventive and funnier than most movies that are just advertising themselves as straight comedies. 
Um, there are just moments of just great whimsy in this. This is Chris Pine at his best. This is Michelle Rodriguez at his at her best. Like this is the best I've ever. This is the first time it feels like Michelle Rodriguez has really like been in a funny role. I mean, she's probably been in a funny role before, but it, this is the first time it really feels like she is in one. <laughs> uh, and then there is a scene stealing turn from I think it's Regé Jean Page. You know him from Bridgerton. Ah. Oh, yeah. um, uh, his straight laced very like it, we we've we've sort of started getting uh, a combination of these kind of like these drax characters that come in he's kind of a drax not like not like as like dim-witted as drax is but like still like doesn't take colloquialisms and and I you see. know like that takes things literally a lot and whatever he's got this straight face all the way through this and he's saying just the funniest things and just to highlight one scene and there's a random scene that's in this movie that made me laugh and it's stuck with me for for whatever reason it's very it's just a random scene they're all on the beach Regis jean page is about to is about to uh about to leave them and he starts walking and chris pines is like chris pines like look at that guy he's always walking in a straight line He's ne never diverts from that straight line ever. And he's walking towards this rock. He's like, is he going to go around the rock? And he says like, and, and he's walking towards the rock. Is, is he going to go around the rock? Nope. And he says, he's, he's, he goes, climbs over the rock as he's walking. <laughs> in the straight line. It's like, nope, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't divert for anything. <laughs> it's like this, it's that kind of whimsy that's going on in this movie. And, uh, just constantly, constantly entertaining. And a lot of people, I mean, you've seen a lot of these people in here. Justice Smith is in there. Hugh Grant, of course. Sophia Lillis is in this movie. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's just a whole ton of fun. Just a ton of fun. Um, and uh, I, I highly recommend and recommend this. I know you're not going out to theaters, Jeremy, but like this would be worth it. I think. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear this. The trailer like I was wary all the way up until the trailer a couple of weeks ago and that trailer had me rolling and I thought mm -hmm. maybe they got the tone right. And it sounds like they did. And, uh, mm -hmm. that's gotta be good for D and D fans all around the world after the last attempt, um, at making a movie based on Dungeons and Dragons, even the adventure things in it, like, you, like they could have maybe like just kind of push that to the side a bit because they hey we're making a comedy we don't really have to do anything with the quest really even the quest itself is fun and they're doing a lot of fun things with the quest and a lot of inventive things there and a lot of like you know just oh that's a really good idea that they just implemented there and like you're just sitting there going oh this this is actually like really fun and creative in addition to being a delight when people are talking and telling jokes so uh yeah if you guys loved game night I think you might like this even more. Oh, on uh, Game Night's probably my favorite comedy of the last 10, 15 years. So, mm -hmm. man, yeah. and I, uh, it sounds like much like Game Night, they took care with how they shot it and they shot it uh, not like a typical comedy would shoot, but more like an action film would shoot. Um, so I'm very, very excited to see this. Um, and I, maybe I will sneak out to the theater one of these days. And by the way, Chad is coming up with a whole bunch of other scenes in this movie that are also excellent. I mean, I just came up with a small smidgen, but like some of the stuff that they're talking about, very random, like don't, they don't give away anything, but when they're saying about the graveyard scene, yes, the graveyard scene is awesome anyway the graveyard scene i think is in the trailer i saw and that's mm -hmm. what told me was that mm -hmm. little gag um i don't know how much longer it goes on than what the trailer showed me but i can't wait mm -hmm. yeah all right uh awesome. on to the big oh, recommend oh, oh. ronan i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed um this is uh 1998 um what would you call this action thriller yeah it's like a thriller yeah um, action thriller. and i had not seen it start to finish in probably i'm gonna say six or seven years um mm -hmm. 
I've seen it a handful of times throughout my life. This is John Frankenheimer on a script that David Mamet wrote. David Mamet is probably getting more love on this podcast than any other writer. Although Mamet is uh, not credited, right? He uses a different name or something on the credits, I think. Uh, he may indeed. IMDb just At least just in this movie he Mamet. does. There's a point where like he, I wrote, I saw something in the trivia that said like okay. he wrote, he took the script and rewrote like 70 or 80% of it. And then he, they changed something else that he didn't like. So he's like, let's just use somebody else's name on this. But Mammoth clearly was part of Roman. Yes. Yeah. You, there are certain scenes where you feel like David Mammoth's in the room almost. Um, but it does not open in a Mammoth type of way. It does not open with, uh, awesome dialogue dancing back and forth that opens with almost entirely wordless sequence where we see De Niro very cautiously approaching this bar um, from afar he watches and then he gets a little closer and watches and he goes around back and checks the back alley and hides his gun and it's very clear that the people inside the bar are eyeing each other a little bit and nobody really knows what to do or who to trust um, and I love the balls of the movie to start this way because you get all of the tension and then there's no dialogue whatsoever other than just background, somebody ordering a beer or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, you're already on edge before you even really dive into it. But eventually, uh, <clears throat> De Niro goes in there and asks to have one drink before they close uh, and asks to use the bathroom and goes back and uh, unlocks the back door and the bartender's like, no, 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 not that door. The bathroom's the other door. Of course, De Niro's unlocking the back door because he's the pro spy and this movie might as well be called De Niro's character is the pro spy of all pro spies. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, eventually it's revealed that they are all there, uh, these people eyeballing each other uh, because a mysterious man in a wheelchair had recommended them for a job. Um, and uh, the opening scrawl before any of this tells us what a Ronin what Ronin are? Uh, they are. Uh, they were samurai whose master had been killed, and the shame of that drove them out. And they were swords for hire, mercenaries, uh, and uh, that sort of sets the stage. That's what these guys supposedly are. We have Jean Jean Renault. I'm going to mispronounce mm -hmm. so many names. Um, yep. Playing Vincent. Um, he's French, and we are in France. Um, mm -hmm. He, uh, we have De Niro, who's playing a man named Sam, who's former CIA, uh, although I don't think it's ever explicitly stated for sure by him, because there's a lot of playful dialogue about everybody's background, like, you know, mm -hmm. what did you used to do? Oh, you know, only whatever I was asked to do or whatever. Um, you ever kill anybody? No, but I made a guy angry once or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they, uh, are driven to this warehouse where we find Sean Bean, um, and uh, the driver, whose name is Fuck, his name is not Fuck. The driver, <laughs> yeah. The driver's only name I did not Larry. make note of. Larry, of course. That's why I didn't make note of it because it's Larry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Deirdre uh, is their Irish uh, leader, their boss, essentially. She basically refuses to tell them anything about who she works for if she works for anybody uh all she tells them is we're going to steal a case um and the people we're going to steal it from will very much uh, not want to have it stolen um and they try and find out what's in the case and she doesn't really tell them i'm not sure we ever find out what's in the case nope it's a mcgovern yeah okay um so they they get no information they go to sleep apparently they wake up in the next the next morning and they they start to have a briefing and i love how throughout the briefing they keep testing each other mm -hmm. like um somebody says uh, what can we infer from your charming irish lilt um and she says whatever you want and moves right on and then somebody says to denira are you american uh even as their uh, two other people are talking about the mission um and so knowing there's going to be three cars bad guys they think eight to 12 men they believe they'll be armed probably heavily um so they put together a list of their needs uh, larry tells him what kind of cars he, he needs that'd be fast but sturdy um and sean beans is the i think he said weapons guy he tells him what kind of weapons he needs uh and of course um Jean Renault's Vincent is going to get all this. He's the get it guy because he's he knows if it's in France, I can get it, he says. Um, mm -hmm. And so they go to buy a bunch of guns um, in one of my favorite scenes in the movie. 
um, the seller's yeah. approach. And um, Sean Bean's rather go get him here, um, showing sort of his, well, we're going to find out pretty soon that he's not who he says he is. And uh, <clears throat> he's, he gets out and says, let's go do this deal. And De Niro's very cautiously like, okay, I'm going to back him up. Uh, and De Niro seems like the only one, Sam seems like the only one who is uh, wary of the situation until they look in the trunk and um, Sean Bean finds out that the only half the stuff they ordered is there. And the guy's like, mm-hmm. the seller's like, well, we've got the rest in the other car back here. And another car kind of pulls into this tunnel area. Um, <laughs> and it's like, you know, you go look and make sure all is good. And then, you know, we'll trade the money and here are the keys to this car. And, you know, <clears throat> and De Niro's not having it. He's like, they're yeah. all walking down there. And I love this scene because De Niro's just like, I would not go in there. Dude, I don't know mm-hmm. what you're doing. Why are you going in there? Don't go in there. Mm. Look at it. Yeah. Just look at it. It's a box in. Um, <clears throat> and of course, he's right. There's a sniper. And Sam shoots at the sniper and a gunfight breaks out. And eventually the bad guys leaves. I think a couple of them die. Um, <clears throat> and then our team, our protagonists, get in Larry's car and take off. And Sean Bean is, he's happy. He's like pumped. He's like, we got, we kept the money and we got half the stuff. That's a win-win, baby. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, when the car stopped, he asked the car to stop so he can get out and puke like a little baby. Yes. Um, and uh, there is a little brief car chase there. And I want to point it out because this movie is all about the car chases. Yes, uh, it is. Frankenheimer puts the camera at the front of the car, bumper level, um, in a way that absolutely, like pulls you into the action and makes you feel like you're moving along at the same speed. Mm -hmm. Um, And the next scene, um, they're talking about the plan. They're going to do this ambush. (laughs) And Sean Bean really shows his ass. He walks over to the whiteboard and he says, we got some shooters here on this side. We'll put some shooters here on this side of the road. And uh, Sam just unloads basically walks up and schools him and says you're going to shoot right at each other you don't know who you say you are what's the what's the color of the boathouse at hereford what's the color of the boathouse at hereford and he makes him back up into the coffee that that sam knew he would spill uh and he takes his gun basically embarrasses the shit out of this guy uh and the next morning he's fired uh and Mm -hmm. i do think every time i watch this movie i think he's gonna come back into this movie some way yeah no, and that's what i probably, thought too and then probably die but um <clears throat> he doesn't um he's ashamed and he leaves um <clears throat> so they decide to go to the hotel where they think the case currently is uh and sam and deidre go deidre of course is the boss technically mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but sam is the clear professional of this bunch he and vincent um so they're sitting in the lobby uh, she's all awkward because she's not an undercover person and Sam is cool as a cucumber. And they see the case and the security guys come off the elevator. And again, Sam uses the smallest, simplest idea to do tradecraft. He gets somebody to take his picture. Um, yeah. And when he's showing him how to use the camera, he's like, just push this button here. Just push this button here. Just like this. Just do this. He takes mm. about six pictures of the case and the security guys making it look like he's showing how to use the camera. Then gets a bunch more pictures of them when he's posing with his wife that the stranger's yeah. taking pictures of. Pauses, says, just take a picture of just my wife. Goes outside. Well, and, yeah. And, and not only that, has the sort of the fourth dimension on that, because instead of taking the pictures while the pe- the crew is behind them uh you know he he tells them we're going to take a picture out here knowing that that crew is going to be out there as the pictures are taken so like that's the cool part for me on that scene yeah. is that he doesn't doesn't just take the pictures there while those while those people could be like hey camera don't you know he takes them where it doesn't look like he's taking pictures of them at all yeah by knowing that they'll be there eventually so i love that yep and he goes outside and leans a sign against the luggage cart i mean this is the simplest spy trick i think i've ever seen in a movie and Mm -hmm. then goes to a bellhop and says take my luggage to my room immediately and then walks back inside and poses with his wife and we're going to get pictures here as the bellhop pulls the luggage thing the sign hits the ground it kind of sounds like a gun and we see the security team race into action to protect the case and case man um i just love uh everything about this scene and just the simplest way he gets all this intel and so then we cut to him looking at the pictures and he's like yep 
they're pretty professional. Um, mm -hmm. um, so we find out the case has been moved to the villa. The case is either at the villa or at the hotel. Um, and so while it's at the villa, they don't they don't really want to attack there. That's kind of like a compound. So they uh, Sam and Deidre go um, have sex in the car. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. they're presumably there to watch the villa. And when a cop shows up, uh, he kisses her. So it looks like they're just a couple out necking in their car and the cop drives by. And she just says, okay, well, let's, let's just do this. And so they have, they have sex. Um, it's mm -hmm. lovely. Uh, yeah. I think it surprises me every time I watch this movie. Um, mm -hmm. So then we caught to the big heist. Um, and it's pretty cool that we haven't seen the actual planning of this. Uh, we've seen some conversations here and there about who might be doing what. Uh, but seeing it all play out with everyone having their role is really cool. Uh, Sam uses, it's not a grenade launcher, but I'm going to call it a grenade launcher because I don't know a better mm -hmm. word for it. Giant mm -hmm. bullet shooter. Um, <laughs> and uh, there, are, there are many, many people shot and killed, uh, many of whom have nothing to do with any of this. Uh, and that is a recurring theme in this movie. And I don't think it's accidental. Uh, almost every time there's any kind of skirmish, innocent people get injured or die in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but they take out at least one of the cars of the convoy with Mr. Caseman. Um, they've got Larry, the driver, down the road further so that he can pop out and help. And then we go into the big car chase, the first big car chase of the movie, um, where we've got <clears throat> Sam and Vincent in a Volvo of some sort. Uh, and then we have Larry, um, and they're trying to take out the case car guy and his, you know, convoy helpers. Um, I think there's a, there's an Audi in this thing. And there's a, like a, was it a Cit Citroen or whatever? I don't know. It's one of these Euro cars that we, hmm. we don't see much of out here, but th some of the cars that are in this movie, and I don't know if it's in this chase or not. I'm not a car person, but I know that in, I think at least the big car chase, there's a big, there's an Audi that's in there. That's like a, like a souped up awesome ass car, you know, like, yeah. uh, so like some of these cars don't look like the sports cars that we're used to, but they're still badass. You basically is what it comes down to. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I love this car chase cause it starts in this tiny little villa where they steal the case at the hotel, goes into the countryside and then they end up in Nice. Um, where it gets even more intense because there are a lot of narrow streets and tight quarter action. Um, now they are, <clears throat> they have Gregor uh, and Deirdre in a van and they are tracking, Gregor is Skarsgård. I forgot to mention him completely. Um, mm -hmm. He's mysterious. Um, yes. And they are tracking the case man because he used his cell phone. They have some sort of ability to track his cell phone. Uh, and so there's this awesome part of the chase where they send Larry ahead and they're like, go this way, now go this way. And then they're like, okay, now you're in front of him. And he turns around and starts going back and they're basically gonna pinch remove this guy. Um, and of course, we end up with another shootout um, where everybody is getting killed that's not involved. Some people involved get killed and Gregor, nasty, dirty little Gregor, shows mm -hmm. up and switches out the cases. If you're not paying close attention, you won't even see this. Um, but because it's quick but he switches mm -hmm. out the cases and then uh sam grabs the case and hands it to vincent and gregor's on the other side of a crashed blown up car there's like no way for them to join up and, and sam looks at his hands and sees silver spray paint and knows that the case he just touched is fake grabs it and throws it now that's what explodes the car um mm -hmm. saves vincent's life um because he's the smartest man in the room i I think this might be one of my favorite De Niro characters ever because he's just so cool. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, cool <laughs> under pressure, not like I want to be like him. Um, yeah. Although in some ways. Yeah. Okay. Um, at this point, we are not even halfway through this movie. Um, but I feel like it gives you a nice big deep breath here. Um, this takes place at like the 55 minute mark. Uh, it's like a two hour movie. Um, mm -hmm. Larry, the driver's been shot. In, in has a nasty looking knee um, and they have no options. They're holed up in this, I don't know, looks like a hotel room. Their only option is to find Gregor and get the case back. So Sam uses his CIA connections to get some cell phone triangulation done <laughs> to figure out where Gregor is. Uh, and that's a pretty cool scene too. 
um, because they act like strangers, but then it's revealed that they knew each other back in the CIA or what have you. And uh, meanwhile, Gregor tries to sell to his buyer, but his buyer has given him fake money and uh, wants to shoot him. And because he, again, this happens more than once in this movie, because he guns the gas and the car moves, he gets uh, a nanosecond's worth of advantage and kills the buyer mm -hmm. and gets away. So they track Gregor to this small town, um, and they're because they're really good spies, uh, Vincent and Sam, for the most part, and I think most of the rest of the group is questionable. Um, they find him at this like Coliseum place. Uh, but at the same time, these two Russian guys find him because the Russian guys uh, want the case as well, and they may not be trying to buy it. They may be trying mm. to kill and take it. Um, and again, again, we have a shootout in public where innocent people are shot. Um, and all hell breaks loose. Um, <clears throat> and Jonathan Price shows up. Uh, while all this is going down in the Coliseum, his name is Seamus. Um, and he, he approaches Larry, our driver. And we have had at least one or two scenes previous where he, Seamus, has contact Deirdre. So we know that Seamus is Deirdre's boss at this point. So when he approaches yep. Larry, the driver, we know this is not probably a good thing. Uh, but we cut away. Sam gets shot. Uh, and everybody is basically scattered. They get back to the car and find Larry's been stabbed in the neck violently. Um, <clears throat> and the car pulls away with Seamus and Deirdre and Gregor in it. Uh, they got Gregor because Seamus is he's a Houdini in this movie. He just shows mm -hmm. up. Nobody can gra grab Gregor except he's just like, suddenly I have yeah. him. You're in the car with me. <laughs> um, so uh, everything is screwed a little more. But Sam has a bullet in him and we have to get that taken care of. Vincent feels a, a, basically a debt to him because he saved his life earlier. Vincent knows this guy, I believe his name is Jean-Pierre, who also seems to have been some sort of former spy type guy. And we go to Jean-Pierre's house uh, for Sam to get his bullet taken out. Thankfully, we get to see this. Um, yay, I enjoy seeing surgery. Mm -hmm. um, yes. He uses a mirror to tell them what to do, basically. We this is a fascinating him. scene. Yeah. It is a fascinating scene because he starts it by saying, hey, I've done this a million times. This is no big deal. Wipe up all this blood with the gauze. You're going to take this. Don't pull until you're sure you have the bullet. And then once they get the bullet out, he's like, I'm going to pass out now. Thanks. <laughs> basically, <laughs> he passes out. <laughs> um, and then the next morning, he has this conversation with Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre paints these little miniature um, samurai figures and is making all these diorama things. And we, we do get this lovely telling of the story of the 47 Ronin who um, their master was killed by another master who double-crossed him. There's not mm -hmm. really any way for a Ronin to protect against that uh, because the masters generally trusted each other. And so they plotted, went into the murderous master's house and killed him. <laughs> Sam is like, yeah. That's my kind of story. Mm. He's like, well, mm -hmm. after that, they went out into the, into the front yard and they all committed ritual suicide. <laughs> and Sam's like, oh, well, I don't like that mm -hmm. part so much. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Seamus, meanwhile, Seamus, Deidre, and Gregor are all in Paris where Gregor gets the shit kicked out of him by Seamus once they enter the apartment. They go to the post office because Gregor, genius that he is, has mailed the case to himself. Yes. The case is not there. Uh, and so... They're like, well, we'll give you another day. We'll come back the next day. Um, and it does arrive the next day. But so do Sam and Gregor, who ambush Deidre in the car. But then she hits the gas when they're not suspected and speeds <laughs> off. Um, and we have the most badass car chase in the entire film, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And this car chase is seven minutes long. Um, yeah. And it's just adrenaline pumping all the way through. Uh, if If... You only watch this movie for the car chases. I think you would still have fun. I think you would still mm -hmm. have a good time. Uh, yeah. But it, it ends in a huge crash. Of course, Gregor, RoboCop, somehow escapes the wreckage first and stumbles away. Um, and construction workers pull uh, Seamus and Deidre out before the car actually explodes. So here's another moment where Sam and Vincent do the awesome spy brain shit, and they just figure out through conversation, they're at this little coffee house and Vincent keeps asking, where, where, where would he go? Where would he go? Where would he go? And they talk through it and figure out, well, he would go to the Russians. Um, and so they know a guy 
who knows how to get information. They say, the, the translator says, if anything has to do with Russia and Paris, this guy knows it. And they're mm -hmm. like, all right. So before he's even done dialing the phone to get this information, the translator's like, but I would just go to that ice show over there where the Russian <laughs> skaters are, because that's probably yeah. where you find some Russians. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love that part because it completely subverts the, the, the trope of, you know, it's already, movies already use this trope of the guy told me to go here because he knows what's up. But this time it turns it on its ear. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so they go to the ice show. They check it out. Uh, Katarina is there skating to the song that Bill Murray learns how to play in Groundhog Day. Um, yes. And uh, I don't know why that stuck out to me, but it did. Um, but they have their eye on her boyfriend, who from here on out, I will simply call the Russian. Um, mm -hmm. And they see that he gets an urgent message to his ear and looks at a piece of paper and he leaves the venue. And so they're like, okay, it's on. And so they follow him. <clears throat> and then we have Gregor backstage surprising the Russian. And the Russian says, our meet wasn't until after the show. And Gregor says, no, the meet is now. Um, mm -hmm. And so they give him the money. It's real money. And he gives him the case. And then he holds up a phone and says, I have a sniper in the stands who is going to shoot your skater girlfriend if you don't let me walk out of here. We've seen the sniper. We know that he's not bluffing. Uh, but the Russian thinks he's bluffing and pulls a gun on him. And Gregor says, 30 seconds. 20 seconds, Mika, and then boom, he gets shot in the head. Um, and so the sniper does what the sniper was paid yeah. to do and shoots mm -hmm. the skater. And all hell breaks loose. And I will just tell you that from here to the rest of the movie, lots of innocent people get hurt, trampled, uh, pushed, shot, yes, punched, kicked, um, what have you. Um, so Sam and Vincent give chase on the Russian. Um, <clears throat> but before they arrive... Uh, Seamus shows up, shoots the Russians dead, takes the case. Now they're after him. Um, <clears throat> Sam runs ahead. This is another instance in this movie where somebody goes ahead to take care of something before the main action gets there because he knows Deidre's going to be waiting there for Seamus, and he goes to her and says, get out of here, get lost. Uh, and she says, what about the case? And he says, it's not about the case. It came for Seamus. Don't you get it? Mm -hmm. I was never out. So this yeah. is where we reveal that he's still in the CIA or whatever service he works for. And he's here to get Seamus, who is a basically Irish domestic terrorist leader. Um, and so she takes off and then they track Seamus back to the theater basement. Sam has no choice but to bust into a room with his gun out. Of course, there's a convenient hostage there. Seamus turns the hostage, shoots our boy, goes up to kill him. But no, Vincent saves the day from up yep. in the balcony and kills Seamus. And we get this lovely little coffee scene ending where two pros um, who have become friends uh, know that it's very likely they'll never see each other again, but they still know they might uh, and they respect each other. Um, and I just love this that little conversation there at the end, that little denouement, if you will, after the action. Uh, and then we see Vincent walk off to a voiceover that comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I really, really enjoyed this. Chris, what did you think of Ronan this time through? Uh, I really enjoyed it too. Uh, now, it, they also at the very end, you find out basically that what De Niro's mission was, uh, whatever it was, ends up uh, resulting in the IRA and Great Britain coming to a peace accord of some sort. So That's I right. guess... If it's not for the fact that they don't kill Seamus that, I mean, especially with whatever device he was buying that we don't know, right. uh, but would change would have been a game changer. That's what ends up being the, uh, the result of this, this big mission. Uh, I like, I do love all the stuff De Niro does to test people out in this. This one thing that he does with Skarsgård early on is he, uh, he throws that coffee cup down to the ground and Skarsgård grabs it out of midair yeah. and De Niro knows he's more than he's he's uh saying he is or, yep. or presenting himself as from there because Skarsgård looks like just oh he's just uh he's just a uh he's never done this kind of thing before he's not a bad guy he's blah 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 he's kind of innocent and then he notices that he's got those kind of re reflexes um I thought now it is fun that they they talk about that uh 
they talk about that they talk that problem out and they're like he's gonna find he's gonna uh talk to the russians and all that but that i'm a little i don't maybe maybe this is how things are figured out uh sometimes when you're in the cia and you got nothing else but they see two cases that look similar to the case that he used as the yeah. fake bomb yeah and they go and talk to the family about it and they find out that these are made for ice skates and that okay because he has this case that is made for ice skates he must have regular dealings with russians and people who date ice skaters and that's how they get to that <laughs> russian thing that is talking about the russians so so that's the one that was the one thing i was like uh this is i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of mammoth stuff in here like you didn't even need to know that mammoth wrote this to know that mammoth there's also like all the double crosses and all the all the like yeah, every time somebody thinks that they're about to win the other person fucks everything up and that, yeah. that that type of thing goes on and and then yeah and especially that like very loose connection that they made at the very end and, and like uh okay it's kind of like uh you know in spanish prisoner where you have the the two undercover fbi people at the very end who somehow know he's going to be on that boat and and you know, they know Campbell Scott's going to be on that boat at the end and yeah. like have everything set up perfectly for them and whatever. But yes, uh, Ronan is all is, has, has formed a legacy over the years as being, having car chase scenes that rival French connection. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a, you know, uh, uh, it's, I don't think it's an accident that they shot this movie mainly in Paris and, mm -hmm. and, uh, that there's even shots, there's even shots that, remind me of that car chase scene in french connection when they go under the bridge mm -hmm. and all that other thing but uh but yeah those those low angle shots and there's not only cameras on cars but i think there's also rigs that are that are that are driving behind the car and driving at the same speed as they are and mm -hmm. you can really feel the speed on all of this a lot of times like especially well, like in old movies you could see them speed up the footage to make it look like they're going faster or they do some other kind of trick to make it look at this like looks like they're actually driving the speeds that we think they are and yeah. that's why they're so thrilling and everything but yeah i do like a thinking man uh type of uh, uh working the problem type of thing uh and we saw this with de niro in the score as well he's he's a he's a professional through and through and and uh i've i've always appreciated that that type of thing so yeah i i, I really enjoyed it i would i would be uh lying if i told you that this movie started fading for me instantly after i watched it mm. i don't know why like it there's a lot of good scenes in it but th today when i was like I was like prepping to talk about this thing. I was like, okay, what happened again? And I had to kind of refresh my mind or my memory on a lot of it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And, and you, and there are just, there are a lot more better scenes than I remembered when I watched the movie the first time. Uh, I, I was, I don't know. I wasn't prepared to watch this movie when I was like 21 years old or whatever. Right. So, um, but, uh, but yes, this is very good. This is very well made, very, very well done. It's, it's, it's a thing that I think, Frankenheimer's coming off the island of Dr. Moreau uh, mm. when, when he does this movie. So this must have been a breath of fresh air for him uh, to, to go to this movie after that. So, um, so yeah, uh, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, overall, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Like I said, there was some things that started to fade for me a little bit. And even when you started talking, I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that happened. And maybe it's just that. I don't know. Maybe my memory is fading and I need to go get it, go to a doctor. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, but, uh, I really did enjoy that. Now, some, yes. some movies just don't stay with you that way. And, uh, mm -hmm. I totally get it. I did want to mention real quick that there's a lot of really cool shots, camera work, uh, mm -hmm. like some of the opening yes. shots in that silent scene. Uh, and there's a shot where there's a tour group, a big crowd of people and the tour leader says, all right, now come with me and backs away. And the whole flock of people walk towards him, except Jonathan Price, who's standing down there looking at this paper. And it gives this effect like he's resisting some kind of wind almost. It's just a really cool, there's a lot of little cool stuff like that visually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, we are, uh, well, we've run long as usual, but um, what's their super secret double feature for the day, sir? 
be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Well, I have seen some excellent choices in the chat during this mm. uh during this time one somebody brought up three kings which i thought was a really good uh, uh double feature with yeah. this yeah. it may very well beat mine that i came up with but uh seeing a lot of different uh heist movies and i'm seeing stuff like the born supremacy and mm. and uh, things of that nature those were all really good choices but the thing that really made me feel like this was the double feature was that damn case that mm. damn case that they're mm. looking for all the way through this movie and it has a secret something or other in it and there's spies and intrigue and whatnots and going on in this thing and so i ended up on tenet as the oh. double feature mm. for this because that's the that's the uh that's the thing all the way through that the 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 the, the case in tenet is essentially a MacGuffin, even though it's very important to the story but you know we don't really know what that kind of represents it's a it's a piece of some sort of artifact for an algorithm that fucking <laughs> they barely bullshit uh explain and it and and uh and so like that's what they're going for in all this and then kenneth branagh who uh who is irish uh himself mm -hmm. uh is uh it needs this artifact uh because of uh the plan that the future is being ruined by climate change mm. something something mm -hmm. that anyway something. there's yeah yeah something 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 but anyway uh i i felt like tenant was uh was a uh was a good one for this mainly because that damn case i kept thinking about like that scene where they're in the traffic and then there's big car chase and tenant too mm -hmm. they uh when they're throwing the case and it's going backwards and and yeah. and, uh, and it's going from one car to the other and all that this fucking case man i kept that, that kept just hitting my head the, the the exact kind of case it feels like too that they they're they're doing in ronan so that's awesome. I mean, it had to be a group of guys getting together to heist something. Um, I feel like, and that that definitely fits that. And the case is on the nose as well. I like Three Kings. I, I didn't thought about that. The only one I had thought of was the first Mission Impossible movie, mm -hmm. but uh, I felt like that was probably a little on the nose. But yeah, um, and, and yeah, I mean, the first Mission Impossible definitely would would uh, would be a good choice as well, and especially with the Jean Reno connection. But I like um, the I like Tenet. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. um all right so uh next week's homework i am continuing my thing by uh mm -hmm. doing comedies from decades from the 1910s to all the way to the present and we're going to the 1920s this time we're mm -hmm. doing a buster keaton uh silent feature called the general which is really really fucking good if you've never seen it before have you seen this jeremy i have not well i'm like uh, i've seen one or two of his i, I don't know them by name um mm -hmm. but i'm gonna say probably not okay so uh so this one buster keaton is part now note that buster keaton is part of the confederacy in this movie and, and i'm not saying i don't think that the movie is saying the confederacy was right or that they are heroes in this movie okay <laughs> buster keaton is part of the confederacy and uh but uh, this movie is very inventive very funny um and uh i uh i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how, how what your reaction to this is uh, i think it's like an hour and seven minutes long um and it is it you can find this pretty much everywhere so um yeah. uh so yeah so i i i would uh uh, I think you can find it on Amazon Prime. I think you can find it's like I, I, like I looked at them real good. It looks like it's everywhere nearly. So yeah, um, looking forward to seeing how, uh, how how people react to that one, and uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. So. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. You're going to test me again with another silent movie. I have to find a double feature for, but I will I will prevail. At least this time it's not too short so that you need to like you know That's put true. a basically a triple feature into. So all right, so let's uh, I think do... it's going to be easier task let's do one question before we sign okay. off what do you think question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening uh this was going around on twitter uh question says a week or two ago but it was probably three or four weeks at this point if you had to introduce somebody to your taste in movies what are five movie titles you would screen for them uh let's see um so <laughs> yeah five it's it's one of those that's a weird uh i had to like I actually thought about this for a while. <laughs> um, but 
Um, so to introduce someone to my taste in movies, I, I, I obviously put back to the future in there. I put airplane in there, nice. uh, the Godfather city of God and Jackie Brown. I put nice. all those in there. Nice. Um, there are a number of other movies that would make that cut, I think, but I think that was ultimately what I wanted to come down on was these are the movies. Like, if you want to know my taste, it's, it's, it go, it runs the gamut essentially. Like I can, I love, I love broad comedies. I love insane, ridiculous comedies. I also like hard dramas and I also like, you know, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good mix of, yeah. of, of that type of thing. So yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I kind of tried to go to extremes on my tastes here and not necessarily choose like my five favorite movies, but just to give you an honest, like slice of my taste. So I'm going to hear mine, the matrix demolition, man, wrong turn for bloody beginnings. Yep, Hunt for yep. Red October and the yep. Muppets take Manhattan. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And then, and then once again, yeah, you have a very eclectic collection there as well. Uh, so, uh, wrong turn four and Muppets take Manhattan in the same sentence. That's gotta be the first time ever. Gotta yeah. Be. And if I've mm -hmm. actually showed those five movies to somebody, I feel like at least once or twice, somebody would be like, why, why? And I, I get to explain why I'm going to explain mm -hmm. my tastes. And there you go. Mm-hmm yeah um all right uh that is going to do it for this week uh next week's uh homework is the general uh the buster keaton general um uh, once again chat thank you so much for coming out here you, and uh, watching us uh today uh, uh looking forward to uh how you guys are how, how you guys react to the movie next week as well but uh, that's going to do it for this week we'll see you next time see ya bye bye, bye, -bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. Hey! So yesterday and today, three of my nearest neighbors have been cutting down trees, like really big, tall, beautiful trees. Mm -hmm. And I want to know why it's all happening at the same time. And I certainly don't know if there's like a diseased tree that needs to be chopped down. Mm -hmm. um, but not knowing all the facts, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Part of the reason I wanted to live here was the view. And the view includes a lot of trees. Mm -hmm. And now, like, four of them are gone. Hmm. There better yeah. be a damn good reason. Yeah, I hate that, too. I'm obviously in a neighborhood where things have not been completely fully developed. And now they've decided they're going to develop everything. And there used to mm. be a bunch of trees all over the place. And now they and have now all been cut down. Oh, fucking progress, man. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. I uh I will say that one of my neighbors who did cut who did cut down a tree yesterday has planted all along his fence line between his land and mine. Uh he planted them 4 or 5 years ago these uh beautiful like red maple things mm -hmm. that progressively get bigger and bigger and pretty soon it's going to be like it's going to be a nice you know buffer between his property and ours. We won't really be able to see each other, but we will have these really beautiful trees that in the summer and the fall, pops mm -hmm. beautiful red. So, yeah. you know, I guess if you plant, uh, in addition to cutting down, then, you know, that's mm -hmm. not the worst thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, how you been? I am doing okay, I guess. I mean, me personally, I'm doing okay, but this shit going on in Nashville, man, with the... Mm the three representatives that they want to kick out because they were protesting. Mm -hmm. It really just like, I don't, I'm handcuffed. I don't know what to do. I ain't going to like, you can't do anything. I'm going to like donate money and stuff. And that's fine. I just don't know what it does at this point. I mean, there's, there's basically you can protest, which I'm seeing 
on the Nashville subreddit some attempts to get some kind of rally going. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the ACLU is probably going to um, sue him, and you know, at least there's a shot it'll yeah. get no, no. overturned. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm very, very, I'm very, very seriously thinking about other places I could live mm-hmm. um, because it's not all not all fifty states are doing this garbage, and I don't even have to go very far to find uh, neighboring states that aren't doing this garbage. Yeah. And I don't really want to do it. I don't either. I just, it just, but it's, it's bad to the just, point. This is, the gerrymandering was bad enough. So that they, they stripped Nashville of its voice. Yep. And then they stripped Nashville City Council of half of its members. And now they're just going to expel Democrats whenever they want. This is not, this is not democracy. No. Um, and, uh, I don't know that I want to support that by living here. Same. It's it's like it's not just I'm scared of where they might go next, which I am. They've basically made it easier. Basically, they have a hundred percent made it easier to buy a gun than to buy Sudafed, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. This is going to be the deepest, most serious set of outtakes to ever grace Recotopia's mm-hmm. airwaves. Yeah, but. I think at least the listeners are used to us being fairly real about stuff like this. Yeah. And it's just, it's not about politics anymore. They're not, they're not governing. They're not representing their voters. They're just doing whatever A is spiteful and whatever B, the people who pay for them tell them to do. And yeah, I'm just exactly. There's no, tired of it. there's no, there's no helping. There's just like, ha ha, look at what I did uh, to those, to those libs, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <sighs> good for you, I guess. I mean, what happens when there are no liberals left? What do you have to run on anymore? You know, like that's all you have to that's run a good on. Question. And that's what all that's you have to question. run on anymore is is oh, I'm not a liberal, and that's it. So that's you know, I don't get it. My 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 Republican opponent is slightly more liberal than I am. Yeah, exactly. I saw a post on the Nashville subreddit a week or so back that said T Pack is hosting a drag show and children are invited. And I clicked through, and it was a poster for the Mrs. Doubtfire show. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And it just, that's a pretty good summation of where we're at. And, and that the people, I'm I'm specifically talking about the Republicans in the Nashville State House. I'm not trying to paint all of them with the same brush Mm -hmm. I am. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, it's just, it's not about, it's all punitive now. It's all, every bill they're passing. I just hate it. I hate yeah. it. Just, the governor just approved three times more money for school security officers for private schools than he did for public schools. Mm-hmm. Let alone that we're going to throw all this money at school security officers instead of doing something more rational. Right. Exactly. Um, <sighs> on a lighter note. Yes. Let's talk about cartoons. Yeah. Um, there is a restaurant in Donaldson that you might want to try out at some point. It is not a fine dining establishment, but it does have extremely good food. Um, It's called Tenfold. Oh, I'm going to Google. Keep talking. So I've been to this place a few times now. Okay. They have, they serve pizzas and they have like sandwiches and, um, uh, you know, they have, they also have some of the frou-frou stuff, the vegetarians, the salads and stuff like that. But, the other day i um i ordered something i hadn't ordered before now you may remember at broadway brew house they used to have this specialty item at this one location that was the mojo pulled pork sandwich or whatever and he used to rave about it yeah well when when i would eat when i first got that sandwich it was great and then as i got it further along or i got it there's another location that serves it all the time those weren't as good as the first try but uh they had a they have a mojo pearl pork sandwich at this tenfold place now i have enjoyed everything that i have eaten there uh everything has been way beyond what i thought it would be uh you know so it's so it's great but i fell in love with this pulled mojo pork sandwich it has it has your barbecue and your barbecue sauce obviously 
but they use some sort of crispy shallots or something that go along yeah. with it. Oh my god, my god! This <laughs> I keep thinking about this sandwich. Oh, it's so good. Oh man. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. I like about like I knew it was good when I first started biting into it, and then like as I got deeper in, and the sauce and the shallots and the barbecue all started mixing together with the bread and everything, I was like. This is the best sandwich I've eaten in in a long time. This is Dang. such a good sandwich. But yeah, everything there is good. Like I've had their pizzas and I've had their, you know, I've had uh, some other sandwiches there. It's good shit. Fried pickles, white mm-hmm. bean hummus. I like, like, here's what I like already. If you're a restaurant, put pictures of your goddamn food on your website. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I go to your website and I just see words... right it's not as appetizing whereas like this place has a picture of like every single dish and it's all good photography it all makes me want to come eat it as opposed to just saying here we have a moho pork sandwich like i can see the picture of the sandwich you're talking about and it looks amazing Mm -hmm. put pictures on your website people it's not that hard 